Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. Well, my gosh, um, I feel very, very full this morning. That's kind of the best way that I can describe it. And uh, that's not because I had a big breakfast. It's because I, I feel this tension in between such a, God, I can't do this on my own. Our ch- church can't do what we're called to do on our own. And, and yet an expectation uh, and the stirring of God. And I think even in the, the prophetic word this morning and some of those things, it's just, uh, I, I just believe that God is really wanting to speak deep into our hearts in a place where uh, we come back to that dependency on him, knowing that he is doing something, and we get to be a part of it. And uh, it's 1135, and I have a message to preach, and then I have all the heart for the house stuff to do. So I'm just warning you, uh, I will do my best. And for some of you, that's not good enough, but I'm sorry. <laughs> my best has to be my best and good enough. But if you have your Bibles, turn in them to Leviticus chapter 23 and We do this thing called Heart for the House, Heart for the House Sunday, where we believe that God calls us in seasons and moments to uh, build up, store up, and and pour out offerings and giving of ourselves in ways that uh, are sacrificial, that are in ways that lead the, the church forward, the kingdom of God forward. And this isn't just about building plans. This is about uh, expansion of the kingdom and the things that God wants us to do and who he wants us to be. And uh, I kept praying all week long about God, how do I approach this? Because, you know, everyone comes to a Sunday like this, it's like, okay, we're going to talk about all the things we need and how much is there and how much isn't there and all this stuff. Uh, and, and I really uh, had a really great coffee earlier this week with Larry Green, and we were just praying about talking about God, how do we lead people forward in understanding that, God, you're doing the work and we get to be a part of it. And and we we hold all the things in our lives loosely because we're following Jesus. Come on, how do we do it? Oh, my gosh. Maybe we'll start a new series on One Step at a Time again all summer long. No, actually, we're starting next week the gospel, uh, or sorry, not the gospel, uh, the first letter of John. Um, if, you, if you want to invite someone back to church from their cabin or camper or the lake, just tell them, uh, you've got mail and there's a message for you at church next week. That's a new series that we're starting. You've got mail and we don't want you to miss that. But I, I've been praying about and I've been thinking about this idea of tents and tabernacles, tents and tabernacles. If you go to Leviticus chapter 23, we're going to read a few verses here. Leviticus 23, uh, verse 33 and 34, it says, And the Lord said to Moses... Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Begin celebrating the festival of shelters on the 15th day of the appointed month. Five days after the day of atonement, this festival to the Lord will last for seven days. We're going to jump ahead a little bit. Verse 38. These festivals must be observed in addition to the Lord's regular Sabbath days. And the offerings are in addition. Everyone say addition. To your personal gifts, the offerings you give to fulfill your vows, and the voluntary offerings you present to the Lord. For seven days you must live outside. That probably right there for me is like the most, one of the most terrifying scriptures in the Bible. So we're going to say it's Old Covenant because I don't like it because that's what everyone else does when we talk about giving and tithing. 
You must live outside in little shelters. All native-born Israelites must live in shelters. This will remind each new generation of Israelites that I made their ancestors live in shelters when I rescued them from the land of Egypt, for I am the Lord your God. So Moses gave the Israelites these instructions regarding the annual festivals of the Lord. Now, you know, that scripture just makes me so uncomfortable. You shall live outside for seven days. To me, there has to be nothing more uncomfortable than someone saying, hey, you want to go camping? You want to go sleep on the ground in a nylon, half-water-repellent tent that's miserable and cold? And, but get, you can get up and make a fire if you're cold. Guess what? You can, you can cook your food over sticks and dirt. You know, to me, like, this idea of camping just sounds so uncomfortable. But the crazy thing is, is we serve a God who pushes us out of our comfort zone. We're always trying to get more and more comfortable, and God keeps coming back to us time and time again and says, I, I want to make you a little bit uncomfortable again. Because when you get too comfortable, you forget who I am, and you forget what I've done in your life, and you forget where I want you to be. And so in Leviticus, God institutes the festival of shelters or the festival of booths, and it happened after the Day of Atonement. So this went simultaneously. It came in with Passover and the shedding of the blood and covering the door, and after the Day of Atonement where they remembered that God has made a way and covered us from judgment, now we go live in tents and shelters for a week. And we leave our comfortable spaces and our comfortable homes and we remind each and every generation that we did not build this on our own. We are not self-made people. We are not those who broke ourselves free from the bondage of sin and slavery. But we are those who are completely dependent on a God who made a way for us. And when we live in these shelters and we live in these tents, we're reminding each and every generation that there is a God who wants you to remain dependent on him and follow him wherever he wants to go. We can often get very comfortable building our lives, building our futures, building our place in this earth. Now, don't hear me wrong. There is nothing wrong with building and establishing your life and your future. Brandy and I have renovated six houses in the 20 years we've been married. And we've only sort of needed marriage counseling a few times. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to build and make better and, and, and establish something for future and your family. But I think God wants us to remember at times, and this is what he was doing to the children of Israel, everything that we build in this life is simply a tent and a tabernacle. You can go to the gym seven days a week and build as much mu muscle as you want. You can look so good. But this body is a tent. It is not your eternal hope. It is not your eternal future. The house that you build, as magnificent as it could be, it is a tent and a place that is a temporary residence as you move forward in the full hope of Jesus that you have. The churches that we build, the properties that we buy are simply tabernacles that serve a purpose on this side of eternity because they will not last forever. 
But does that mean, well, if they're not eternal, if they don't last forever, should we not build them? No, I believe God wants us to build them. I believe God wants us to take great care of our homes, of our lives, of the tents, of the tabernacles that we have in this life. But I think God wants us to remember that we live dependent on him because sometimes we buy a building or we get some property or we come ahead and we think we've made it. We've done this. And God's like, this is all temporary. And it's not going to be big enough for long. And it's not about the building. And it's not about your home. And it's not about all those things. As much as God cares about all of those things, those are tools and avenues to move you into a fullness of what God has for us. I believe that our homes, our careers, our churches are temporary. They're necessary, but they're temporary places and experience in our journey towards the promise and hope that we have in Jesus and what he's calling us to. And so as we start talking about heart for the house, can't drink the microphone. As we start talking about heart for the house, as we start talking about God, what do you want from me? What are you asking of me? I believe that God is not trying to strong arm, wrestle, manipulate, or put any of us into a place where we just do things in our Christian life because we have to. Because rules and regulations and and all the have-tos, they only hold you for so long. Like Paul wrote it, these man-made rules and regulations that we're trying to put on the church and all these things, they only help people in their discipline for so long. If their heart is not submitted to Jesus, sin wins out. And I think it's the same in, in the way we build, in the way we see God, in the way we see future. And this morning, I just really want us to know three things before we move into our, our offering at the end of the service and our, our heart for what God is doing in, in Parkland County, Spruce Grove, Stony Plain. And I, I want you to know this today. I want you to know that I believe more than ever we were meant to live in motion with God. Our lives are represented in these tents and tabernacles, and I believe that God brings us to remembrance that all of this stuff is temporary because we were never meant to settle so firmly in a place where we've actually settled down, put down roots in our hearts, in our homes, in our churches, that God doesn't have the ability to move us by his spirit. We were meant to live in motion with God. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 40, verse 36. It says this, now whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. Now, this was a way to live in the wilderness for 40 years. Like, you want to talk about not really organized or not having a five-year plan? Moses, what's the five-year plan for the children of Israel? Well, we're going to worship God, we're going to raise our families, and when the cloud lifts and God moves, we move. Well, that's not a very good vision strategy, Moses. Well, God didn't give me another strategy. When they built the tabernacle, God gave him blueprints. God gave him plans. When it came to going to the promised land, God said this, when I move, you move. And they were reminded when they went into the promised land, when they went in and the Levitical laws came out, that the idea of the festival of shelters was that when you start getting comfortable... When you start building your house, when your bank account starts looking better, when things start going well for you, when God calls, this festival of shelters reminds you, we used to move when God moves, and and we got to be a people that move when God moves still. 
It's so we don't get stuck in what we want or what we desire. It's so we're reminded to come back to a place where we remember we were meant to live in motion with God. So I would encourage you, church, build your family, build your life, build all the things that God has called you to, but hold them loosely like tents and tabernacles and temporary things because when God says, I'm going to move, and he asks for any of that or he leads you in a different direction or he builds you to do something with that, the response is up to us. I have a question for us. Have we stopped moving because we have been busy building our own thing? Sometimes we're like, God, I I didn't see that. I didn't catch what you were doing there because we were so busy trying to hold on to and build a certain thing, and God says, I'm doing this thing. We must be those that build, but we must be willing to build and move when God says it's time to move. And and we got to start looking at all of the stuff in life as temporary. Now, this is probably easier for me to say in one sense of the word, so... I'll just be honest with you. Giving is probably near the very bottom of the list of my spiritual gifts. Um, I do it. I'm willing to do it when God asks, but it's not like the first thought that comes to my mind. So just you say, well, pastor struggles with that. Just free yourself up. Uh, We're going to get to there and other things. But the other part of this is, though, when God has asked me to do things, I'm willing to let go of everything. Like, we sold our house with nowhere to go, and we didn't know what the next job is. But I said, Lord, you got to speak to me, and then you got to speak to my wife. Because I would like you to speak to her before I ask her to do this. Because if you speak to both of us, it makes it a whole lot easier. But in, in all the things, when it comes to property, stuff like that, to me... It's stuff, and it's not sentimental. So some of you are a little more sentimental. Well, this is where my babies grew up, and this is where they rode their first bike and stuff. Yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) To me, it's like your house, your property, where you are, it's an asset, and it's a tool to use to help you and your family in life. And if God, and and my dad's like, Lord, please don't speak. He's helped us move seven times at least. And if God's like, I need you to sell this and move and do this and that, I've just been really quick to say, okay, like a house is just a thing. It's just stuff. I, I don't get caught up in the sentiment of it all. But there are other things when God says, I need you to move in this area, I drag my feet a lot more. So just be encouraged. There are different battles that each of us face, but we have to be willing to come to a place where we say, God, when, when you move and, and you want to move, am I willing to live in motion with you? Why change is so hard for some people? I was thinking about this this morning. It wasn't in my message. I was thinking about it driving here. I was like, why is change when God asks something of someone so hard for some people? It's because you haven't been in motion with God and the Holy Spirit already. Think of a marathon. If the changeover of a baton in a, in a run was, uh, if the person just stood still and you pass the baton and you can't move until you have it in your hand, it's a lot harder to get going, right? So that's why they have a certain spread and a certain distance where you can get in motion with the other runner, and then that transition is a lot easier. Now, I'm just telling you this, church. God will ask what he wants to ask of you, whether you're in motion or not. But if you're constantly in prayer, constantly in step with the Spirit, constantly asking God, how can I lay something down? How can I partner with you? How can I do what you want me to do? When you're already in motion, when God asks, it's not such of a sticker shock as you you thought it would be. 
Because you've already been saying in your heart, God, I'll give this to you. God, I'll work with you in this area. God, I'll serve in this way. But when we're just sitting in church week after week or at home and, and we have no intentions and we're not asking God about future and what you have for me and how can I hear your voice better, when God does show up and ask sometimes, it's like, whoa, that's, that's a big ask, God. That, that's a lot right now. And, and it it doesn't mean you won't be obedient, but I will tell you, the emotions of your heart and your mind and your will to get on board with where the Spirit is leading you will take you a lot longer. Because we were meant to be living in motion with God. Number two, what I want you to know is this. Willingness, everyone say willingness. Willingness is the key to working with God. The key to working with God is not having a pastor yell at you. The key to working with God is not feeling so guilty and shameful that, well, God, I guess because you did this for me, I owe you all of this. Oh, because my wife signed me up, I guess I have to show up or it makes our whole family look bad. You know, like, God, God, is, not, God is not one who wants to work and move in that realm. God's avenue to work with him, to partner with him. Willingness is the key to joyfully uh, and, and, and having an incredible uh, growing experience in working with God. Willingness is the key to that. And I'll show you in Exodus chapter 25 and 35 and 36. So we're going to read some scriptures here. This is when they took the offering for the tent of meeting in the Old Testament. Exodus 25, 1 and 2. It says, the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings, accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. I think we got another translation of this scripture, the Amplify. It says, tell the children of Israel to take an offering for me from everyone whose heart moves him to give willingly. Some translations say, not grudgingly, you shall take an offering. My Bible, first edition of the NLT, says... Uh, Ask the people for an offering, and whoever wants to give, let them bring it. You know, so in, in times like this, when we talk about heart for the house, we talk about serving, we talk about financial gifts, God will move and ask, but God actually wants our willingness probably more than he needs our offering. And when willingness was the mode and the method, not Moses beating them with a stick, telling them how bad they were. Moses had every right to be like, oh my gosh, these people don't listen to me ever, all this stuff. And God says, just go ask them, Moses. Ask them to bring something, and whoever's willing. And Moses is probably like, whoever's willing, I know these people. Because Moses was human. But God says, if I get a hold of their hearts, if they ask me, if they, if they let their heart be moved with the willingness I will take care of this. So in Exodus 35, verse 5, it says this. It says, that take from among you an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it in as an offering to the Lord God, gold, silver, and bronze. So why is there this big jump between Exodus 25 and 35? Because between the first command to take an offering and their willingness, and they were supposed to pray about it, they actually started building golden calves instead of get, setting aside a willingness to serve the Lord. That's why, like, the scripture repeats 10 chapters later. It's because Moses is like, whoa, we got to reset some things here. But then he goes on in Exodus 35. He says, it's time now. We've sorted this out. We're, we're not going to chase idols anymore, right? We're, we're going to 
understand who God is and, 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 and how he leads us. And in Exodus 35, verse 20 and 21, it says this. It says, so the whole community of Israel left Moses. They returned to their tents. And all whose hearts were stirred, whose spirits were moved, came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought back all the materials needed for the tabernacle for the performance of its rituals for the sacred garments. So here's the pattern. They, they were asked. They said, uh, Moses said, if you're willing and, and you're able, bring an offering. And I would say this today when we talk about offerings. God wants what you're willing to give and what you're able to give. None of this sow a seed garbage with your credit card and God's going to repay a hundredfold. You know, I don't care how many points you get. If you can't pay off what you give God in a reasonable amount of time, it's not worth it. <laughs> and so he asks for the offering. They go home. They pray about it. They think about it. And when it's time, they come back and they give what they are willing to give because they inclined their ear and their hearts to hear what the Spirit of God was saying. And that's why when we talk about Heart for the House, yes, we do it on a day, but I kind of talk about it all month. Why? Because I don't need to repeat numbers over and over again to you. What I need you to do is I actually need people to pray and hear, God, what are you asking of me? Because then when we come willingly, God takes care of what God needs to take care of. And then we go to Exodus chapter 35, verse 6 to 7, and it says this. So Moses gave this command. This message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. I mean, what a day when I stand up here on a Sunday and say, guys, we don't need to give any more this year. We have enough. It's okay. And, and they just kept bringing stuff because to do the work that they were called to do, it was fulfilled. And then they were able to move on to other things. Can I tell you this morning that God doesn't want your time, your gifts, or your treasure. He wants all of you. He wants all of me. And we get invited in to work with God as he desires, and we get invited to give and do those things and serve and prepare out of a returned willingness in our relationship with Jesus. Not because I give a good speech or we ran a good campaign. It's a willing response out of a relationship with Jesus and a desire to respond to what God invites us into. But I should warn you, though, there will be times that people may view your willingness as waste. Why do you go to church so much? Why do you serve on this team or that team? Why do you got to go to another thing? Why would you give that much? I, I, I've experienced those things in my life. I, I've experienced people saying, well, don't, don't you need this or don't you need that or don't you need some extra self-care or extra nights of the week or this, that. And let's be honest, we all need to take care of ourselves. But... There is a world out there that does not see according to God's economy and they see maybe coming to church in the morning or coming to prayer or, or serving at an extra thing when you could be doing whatever you want and say, why waste your time with that? And it was 
disciples and religious leaders that did it in the New Testament when the woman came with the expensive perfume with the alabaster box and she poured it out for Jesus and she did what she could. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible didn't say she did more than anyone else. She did it better than everyone else. The Bible just says she did what she could. And I think if we were a people that lived a little bit more saying, Jesus, help me do what I can for your kingdom, it will be enough before God. It will be enough before us. But there will be people and say, well, why waste your time with that? Why show up on a Friday night for a bunch of teenagers that are just going to say something totally insulting to your face (laughs) for 15 years and never have date night? I swear, Phil and Jill were there with Brandy and I, but we had friends. Guys, want to hang out? It's Friday night. Oh, yeah, right. And for years, when all our friends had date night, We had the smell of junior high boys and weird, crazy games because we just thought maybe, just maybe, us being an example would lead some of these kids closer to Jesus. But some people will look and say, why that waste? Some people will look, when you have the ability to give more than others and God has blessed you in a way to be someone who finances and give in extraordinary ways to the kingdom, they say, couldn't you build something better for your family? Couldn't you buy this or do this? Why would you waste it on church? And you have to hear in your heart, saying, Lord, I'm not trying to waste and I'm not trying to look at, I'm just trying to do what I can because I believe in your kingdom and I'm going to live in motion with you. So we're meant to live in motion with God. We're, we're, we're those that come to the understanding that willingness will be the key to partnering with him. But let's have the band come up, and this is the last point. I want you to know this. Obedience is our ability to enlarge and make room for more. Obedience will be our ability to enlarge and make room for more. Isaiah 54, verse 2 to 3 says this. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams and your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Wait a minute, I thought we were talking about tents and tabernacles. I thought we were talking about stuff that's temporary. It is temporary. But God never said he won't use it when we build those things with the right heart. Solomon's temple was magnificent. The call of the church, the call of the people of God is to actually enlarge our tents to make room to build an addition for our house. I'm not announcing we're building an addition. Uh, We will actually help launch Highlands, which is the interest meeting tonight. We will probably launch another location. I don't know when. And then we will start a building campaign. But when it comes to the economy of God, when it comes to what he asks us, our obedience will actually be the thing that causes us to make room and cause us to grow. I think a lot of churches don't grow because they don't make room. And it starts first with our hearts and with our lives. Do we have room for one more friend? Do we have capacity to love one more person? Do we have the ability to invite someone over for lunch? Do we have 
space and place to let the Holy Spirit tell us, you actually need to focus in on this relationship because I want to lead that person to Jesus through you. A lot of churches don't grow because they don't make room because it starts with us as individuals in the community saying, God, I want to do what I can to grow your kingdom, to see people know Jesus. But secondly, in our communities, in our church buildings, on our properties, do we create space and place for people to come in and feel a part of a family and feel welcome and and have a, a place to serve, a place to be loved, a place to grow. And I actually, you know, this, to me, I, I'm like, God, I, I got to speak about this, but it seems kind of harsh because here at Glory Hills, I actually, I actually believe we do a pretty good job of making people feel welcome. We really do. I, I, my friends that were here at Easter, just after, didn't tell them anything about our church really any of that stuff and they said after they said I'd come back to your church because your your people genuinely want people to be here genuinely want people to experience the presence of Jesus but I will tell you this you wouldn't know it on a Sunday like today because apparently in Alberta when we get nice days or summers here it's gone so quickly so we got to take advantage of it But if we don't enlarge the tent pegs, the things that we need to build in our structures, in our systems, in who we are as a church, both naturally and spiritually, I think our church will hit its peak come September. Because right now, it doesn't seem like it, because I can look out and you're like, well, there's a lot of empty seats today. Yeah, but uh, up until the first week of May, when it actually hit 30 degrees this year at the beginning of May, you couldn't find a seat in this place. You couldn't find a place to park. Our kids' ministry was packed to the max. And so summer's an anomaly. There's a reason why I didn't announce multiple services before summer. And I'm not going to announce a date yet, but I do believe that once we hit September, if we make room, if we strategize, if we do what God asks us to do, if we're obedient and we hear the voice of God, I actually think that there will be a point this fall that we will launch our second service at Glory Hills. Because it's not because I need a second service, it's because God wants to see people come into community in the life of Jesus right here in Parkland County, Spruce Grove, and Stony Plain. But are we willing to be a people who make room? See, Leviticus 19, verse 33 says this. Don't take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Instead, treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. And remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt, for I am the Lord your God. And I believe this is the call of God for our church. In the Old Testament, any person who came out from a foreign nation, a stranger, a foreigner, a sojourner, they would come, and if they would say, I want to come be a part of what God's doing and a part of the community, they weren't second rate, and they weren't second best. They were embraced in the family and treated like one of their own, and we're going to be that type of church. We're going to be a church that when people come and experience and understand that they can find hope and life in Jesus, that we're going to be a family that walks besides them, that finds a place for them next to us, that gives up our seat at times, that helps watch their kids in kids' church, that does the things that families do for one another. Why? Because we love each other, we cover one another, and we want to be a place that makes room.
So with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to pray. And then I want to get into some practical things. But I really hope that our heart has been stirred and set to believe that, yes, everything we do is simply tents and tabernacles, but that's just to remind us of who we serve, how dependent we are on Jesus, to not get too comfortable. Because God doesn't take us out to not lead us in. He takes us out to stretch us, grow us, and make room for more so we can lead many people into knowing who Jesus is. See, I know we're building tents and tabernacles, but do, do we desire to be a people who move when God moves? Do we desire to be a willing people and a people who makes room? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for each and every person. I thank you for speaking to us by your word because... It's your word that's powerful and alive and it's living and it, and it divides between our soul and spirit. And it's your word and your Holy Spirit that lead us to hear your voice more clearly. And so, God, I just pray that you would stir our hearts to be willing to respond to you. Not to campaigns, not to stuff, not to all these things, but a response to you saying, Jesus, what can I do out of my relationship? with you. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you.